Hey, welcome to another edition of Talking Foosball, the Bundesliga show, your source for all things German football. I'm your host, Matt Herman, and this week, we're just trying to catch our breath before we head into an action-packed English of Woche. Thus, it's not for nothing. I've called on an Englishman to be my guest this week. He is my counterpart in Berlin fandom, absolutely one of my favorite guests, and this time, he is the one with the pained grimace. It's Kit Holden. Hello, Kit. Hello, Matthew. I'm bracing myself for an enjoyable half an hour. <laughs> oh, well, okay. Yeah, half an hour is probably about as much time as we're going to need to spend on the Berlin Derby. We've got other things to talk about, but, you know, that, that half an hour will, will be special, you, <laughs> you Unioner. You're going to get it. But you're also going to get a lot of praise because um, despite the fact that your team had uh, had a bad day at the office, I think I think Union have more than proven in the season up to, up to this far that they are going to be here to stay for at least a while. Maybe you'll disagree with me about that. But <laughs> So we will have uh, probably more Berlin Derby talk than is probably healthy in a single podcast. We will talk about the movement that we're seeing at both the top and the bottom of the table. And we're going to get you ready for match day 28, although there's not long to wait for that one. All right, here comes part one of Talking Foosball. This is the part of the podcast where we talk about the best of the match day that we just saw. It was match day 28 this time out. And let's face it, I'm a big Hertha fan. Kit Holden, my guest this week, is a big Union Berlin fan. The reason why we're here, folks, Kit and I, uh, is to sort of... um, you know, reach a, a state of detente, maybe. Now that we've had two Berlin derbies this season, it's been a really weird saga. It's been a long time in coming. The first top flight derby set between these two teams, you know, th- they've done it in the second division a couple of times, but this really meant a lot more for both uh, being in the top division. A 1-0 win for Union in the first half of the season. And now we have seen on Friday night a 4-0 win for Hertha. Really, they could hardly have asked for a more emphatic answer to that loss in Kopenick. And, and in some ways, it was appropriate. I don't mean appropriate by the margin. I'm, I'm not crazy here, kid. Uh, but it was <laughs> it was Hertha's fans, and I'm going to admit this. They were at the center of the worst behavior in that first derby of the season. So perhaps there was some justice that they had to miss this 4-0 win in the Olympiastadion. What, what do you make of that? I mean, this this is just a weird season in so many ways, but this circumstance of, of, of the Berlin Derby going the way that it did with fans, without fans, fan trouble, absolutely no fans, is going to sort of color the way that these two teams relate to each other for some time to come, I think. Absolutely. I remember actually talking to somebody just before the, the first game in November and saying it was kind of interesting that, you know, because this derby doesn't have the history that, that some of the derbies have in the league, you know, that game and then these two games in this season were going to be kind of defining in terms of, as you say, the relationship between these two clubs and their fans. I don't think there's going to be any more love lost, if that makes sense. <laughs> and in some ways, I mean, it's it is a shame that both both your triumph and and our triumph were kind of you know n- neither of us were able to to enjoy them in in complete kind of or let loose and enjoying them because there were kind of there was a nasty taste uh, left behind 
by both games, the first one because of the crowd trouble and, and the second one because of the lack of a crowd. And I'm, I'm going to get my little jab uh, away at the moment now, which is to say that obviously Hatta are used to playing in a, in a half-empty stadium anyway, and that's that's probably why they're they're slightly better at uh, dealing with ghost games than, than on your now. Har, um, har, har. I only read that one about eight times from, you know, <laughs> I don't know how many I mean, different you know, people on Twitter. It's this, this is, I'm clutching at straws, and this is the, <laughs> the one kind of measly, floppy straw that I've got uh, in my, my very empty barrel this weekend. So, yeah. Um, yeah. It's hard when, when you know, my, when your club's uh, stadium is about half as large as our weekly uh, attendance average. It's, you know, <laughs> it, it's hard to, to grasp it. I mean, straws when you that's the circumstance you're living with as i say i don't think there's any as much love lost this season <laughs> and uh yeah i mean in some ways uh, you know this was a this was a kind of redressing of the of the balance the the scale of the the defeat is obviously extremely disappointing for new because it means there's you know if we'd lost one nil i think i think most people could have taken it pretty happily and, and said well you know win one, lose one, and win at home in front of fans. We ultimately got the better rub of the green that season. But um, yeah, this way around, you you really got a kind of a chance to, to rub our faces in it on Friday. And yeah, I think, you know, that that it, it did show perhaps that, and, and I don't think many, many people at Union really believed that, that you know, they were, they were challenging Hertha for kind of genuine mid to long-term supremacy in, in the city just yet but uh perhaps looking in from the outside there, there were some people who might have who might have thought that just looking at that first game and looking at the kind of respective fates of the two clubs in this season it's obviously been more positive year for Union generally than than Hatter, or at least a more kind of stable year and so I think this result perhaps just just gave everyone a bit more perspective and and showed that there really still is a quite a big gulf between these two clubs in terms of size and quality. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the resources, especially now with all the Vintorst money, uh, which seems to just grow and grow and grow and, you know, all kinds of weird things going on with that. You know, I think under other circumstances, people would probably be starting to ask questions about financial fair play and so forth uh, <laughs> surrounding here. I don't know how they're going to make those numbers work, but I also have a feeling that under COVID circumstances, there's probably going to be a lot of uh, corners getting cut, let's just say, in terms of, I don't know, financial regulation. And, and there's probably going to be a lot of people who are happy for any money in football anywhere uh, for the next few years. So, you know, maybe in that respect, it's good timing for them. But, you know, the, the, the point remains, when we look at these two teams and where they're headed, where they're at, I think that Union have proven that they are not just, you know, mugs making up the numbers in the first division, and they are not going to back down to anybody. They had a bad night. They had a night where they ran into a team who's got a bit of a head of steam going. It's, you know, eerily similar set of circumstances to last week's Hertha performance. Really a fairly toothless first half uh, where they didn't put in a, a lot of good chances, maybe a couple of quick um, you know, ones on the break where they could have made more of it. But then in the second half, kind of got a quick one-two punch, followed by, you know, this time two cherries on top. Last week it was only one. I love that it was 4-0. I was craving a big win over Union. I thought we would get a big win over Union. You told me just before we started recording that you were afraid you were going to get a a big loss uh, in this game as soon as he saw the team sheet. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, a lot of people who saw that team sheet would have would have looked at Hertha's front line and, and Onion's back line, which had, you know, the second choice left back and, and centre back and Michel Paranzen, who is a very much beloved figure for us fans, but um, is not the quickest or, or the most agile and doesn't have much experience or indeed any experience at all, perhaps, at this level. So, 
you know, the, there was a on paper a serious golfing quality, and uh, and I think that showed not for the whole game. I think Onion put in a very good classic Lewis Fisher performance in the first half, but in the that sort of decisive ten minutes or so when when those three goals went in, the, yeah, that golfing quality between Hertha's front line and Onion's back line on that night really did show. And as I say, yeah, I think uh, I think that kind of put things a bit a bit into perspective. On the other hand, uh, from an Onion perspective, that four nil, you know. That really smarts, and it will it will smart for the team as well. And it's and it's a mild concern because they're they're not in immediate danger, but they're also not completely out of the woods yet. And a defeat like that, what it means and the and the size of it, even if four 0 perhaps was not entirely indicative of of the way the whole game went, that they're going to have to bounce back from that somehow. And at the moment, it looks like they're they're struggling um, in empty stadiums, and they've got. A few really, really decisive games uh, in these last seven games that that could really define whether or not they're they're right still in the fight on the last day of the season, or or whether they they manage to sort of pull clear with a few games to go. Yeah, I mean, how worried are you really? Um, um, you know, I think folks who you know both who who follow Onion as you do, and 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 folks who simply followed the second division to a greater or lesser extent, like me and others, know that Onion in the past, before last season, when they finally made that jump into the first division. Union were known as a team who basically swooned almost every season in the last 10, 10, or 10 games or so. Like there was two or three occasions in the last, you know, several years where they looked like very, very good bets for promotion and then just completely went off the boil and, and blew it. Is there anything going on, not just with you, but with with Union fans and more 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 broadly, more generally, that they've seen this this uh, soap opera before and they really don't like the end? That it looked like they were going to be safe the whole season, and then they they start dropping like a stone and something really bad happens. I would hate that. I really want them in in the top flight next season. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that is a concern. I mean. Last year, even when they came up, there was there was that sort of yeah oh, yeah in the last ten eleven games. Luckily, they, everybody played bad at the end of the season. Yeah, sure, exactly, and that was the only thing that that dragged them up. But I mean, you know, they still won. I think two of the last eleven games, and those were key victories. But some of the defeats were were against weaker opposition, or, or some of the you know draws there were against considerably weaker opposition that you'd have expected them to beat. And you know, I mean, it's not just the fans. I mean, Urs Fisher has, has been talking about it uh, as well in the last week or two. That problem that they had last year and and that they could face this year if if they don't turn around the form soon. I mean, they've they've not won, I think, in four games, five games now. Both sides of the the sort of coronavirus break, and they haven't scored yet since <laughs> since the league started again. Albeit, you know, into slightly unusual games in that one was against Bayern and, and one was that that game against Hertha, but. Still, those those are concerns, and there are. I mean, for a team like Onion, the disadvantages of of this situation, I think, are slightly more noticeable. It's not just the the lack of fans that that's a big thing for them, particularly at home, and particularly in games like the derby, that they don't have that that ferocious support that's normally there. But it's also, you know, this is a team that's basically its success is based around solid organisation at the back and. Uh, kind of tenacity in, in in the tackle and and, and in duels, and they haven't been able to to train with contact for for four weeks. They only had about a week or two being able to do that. Players were talking about that. That's a that's a disadvantage. The organisation, albeit as I say, that it wasn't the full strength back line. The back line did look like it had organisational problems that you don't necessarily expect from Onion and from a, from a North Fisher team against Hatter and against set pieces. There, they've been looking very very weak for 
for a lot of uh, a long time now. So there are there are real problems that they need to sort out. And if they don't, you know, at the moment they're they're what still six points clear of, of uh, the relegationsplatz. Mm-hmm. But yeah. If if Cologne hadn't equalised uh, just a few hours ago, uh, there's a last minute equaliser for Cologne, and uh, it would be four points if if that goal hadn't gone in. And you know, then you play Mainz on on Wednesday. If you lose that game, suddenly you're right back in the thick of it again. So they're not clear yet. I think there are very few people, other than their direct relegation rivals, who would want them to go down. But I think there's a, a, a genuine, not fear, but but wariness that that yeah, the fight isn't over yet. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at uh, Union's run-in, and you mentioned that uh, Wednesday match against Mites. They have a couple of games against teams a, a lot higher up the table than them in, in Gladbach and Schalke, but then have a game against Cologne, which they should, you know, also be looking to win, uh, even if it's if it's away. I mean, who knows even what, what home and away means at this point. But critically, the third from last game they have is Paderborn, and the last day of the season is Dusseldorf, which looks to me like one that, you know, they're just going to be hoping that there's not anything riding on that game because that, you know, that will be a game with a lot of eyes on it if it turns out to be one with some, some consequences on the line. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, Paderborn definitely sticks out. That could be a game where they they finally you know wrap it up and and get home and dry. Um, and I think Wednesday's game against Mainz is is a to use the the old cliche a six pointer because you know the, they've got thirty points at the moment. I think they probably two wins you'd think should do it, and a win against against a team who is a, a direct rival for uh, in that in that relegation fight is. Is worth at least a win and a half. So a win on Wednesday, and I think a, a lot of minds will be eased. Yep, yep. I'm. I am. I have to say, I am worried though. The, the manner of uh, the loss on Friday, uh, as happy as it made me, it certainly made me worry a little bit. I mean, they were beaten on the break. They were beaten um, when they were defending deep. They were beaten on set pieces. There's there's a lot to work on at the moment. Let's just say they do get the job done. They do stay in the league. You know, Union Berlin are a different club in in a lot of ways. They're, of course, different from Hertha, but they're different from a lot of the clubs who tend to hang around toward the bottom of the table year on year. They're they're a different kind of club from to Dusseldorf, to Paderborn, to, to Augsburg, to Mainz, to, you know, a lot of these clubs. They're a much bigger city, and they have a lot you know, sort of bigger possibilities uh, available to them. What is your sense of where Union wants to go over the next few years if they manage to stick around in the top flight? Do they have ambitions to be to be a team that that does more than just stay in the division? I, I don't think in the in the near future they'll they'll be aiming for anything more than that, really. But uh, you know, they're they're certainly not a club without without ambition. I mean, prior to this crisis and and you know they insist until now that the the crisis doesn't change anything about these plans they've got plans for a, a new youth academy they've got plans to to expand the stadium by almost double mm-hmm. which would reflect a, a a similarly large jump in the membership uh since they came up you know you've now got about at least 10,000 members who who literally just purely mathematically can't get into the stadium each week because there aren't enough tickets so they would fill that stadium if it if it goes ahead and when it goes ahead so yeah they've they they're a club as they have been for pretty much the last 
15 years since they stopped being a complete basket case that has a, a direction and a, and a kind of far plan as they'd say in German, like a, you know, a route that they, that they have mapped out. And the, on the football side of things that, that involves, yeah, now establishing themselves in the league, which with the, the management they have, coronavirus knock-on effects notwithstanding, you'd think they would be able to do because they've shown that they can do that. They did that in the, in the second division very well, got there, established themselves, spent 10 years sort of slowly working themselves up to a, to a point where they, they became too big for the league. And so, yeah, I think I think for the next five years or so, they'll be looking to, to stick around. And, and then I guess it will be a, a case of reassessing the situation but i mean all this is contingent as it is for any club on on getting through you know however long this crisis uh, goes on for and you know the, even if the tv money is coming in the the lack of gate money the lack of, of catering money and stuff is, is something that, that when you want to say they're worried about it isn't going to be a, a an easy ride for any of these clubs i don't think and i think uh, yeah survival both in the footballing sense and in the, the financial sense is at the moment there they're kind of non plus ultra. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about uh, another five year plan or, or, or maybe, maybe one year plan, six month plan. Uh, it depends on, on, on what you're asking Lars Vintors at all. Uh, and when, um, Hertha obviously is a, a team that sees itself as, as going places for much of this season. Uh, it looked like the place that they were going was, <laughs> you know, the circus or, uh, you know, a, a ditch or some other place you don't really want to go to, but at least in these first two games back from the, uh, you know, lockdown um, break, it started to look like something a little bit more serious. Bruno Labadia has made a big difference. I mean, who, who can say if, if he is, you know, 40% or 60% or what percent of the difference he is. But, you know, I have said it a number of times, either here in this podcast or, or you know, in, in other ones that I've talked to, I feel like this was a team that was suffering under, <laughs> you know, coaching malpractice for most of the season, you know, under coaches, you know, one who wasn't really ready for the job in, in Antichovic, or perhaps wasn't ready for the sort of pressure that goes along with the job. Another in Jurgen Klinsmann, who just doesn't really coach and left the coaching to Alexander Nuri, who's just not very good at it. And now we have, you know, someone who is basically a, a bona fide above average Bundesliga coach and lo and behold, with this squad, which, you know, you mentioned when you looked at the team sheets before this game and you were like looking at, you know, Hertha's front line, Union's back line, Hertha has some really good players. There's no reason why this team shouldn't win a lot. Are you starting to believe a little bit that this grand Hertha project could actually go somewhere good? Yeah, I mean, with with the Labadier, it's always a question of how long it'll stay, right? I mean, there are, there are various uh, Bundesliga clubs that can assess that and for various different reasons. He has frequently swept in somewhere, had a really good effect and, and swept out again. We said before, um, either after the derby last time or, or in a different time when I was on, that, you know, he was the sort of coach they needed and, and clearly he was. I mean, <laughs> uh, I think, as you say, uh, an above average Bundesliga coach with a hell of a lot of experience who was always going to be able to get a lot more out of that side than, than yeah, your Klinsmanns and your, your Nuri's. And I think it does, it does bode well for Hertha. Where that kind of ship is sailing under, under Vintorst, I think is, is still very much up for debate and uh, it could still go 
the sort of more Man City direction or the more West Ham direction, um, <laughs> which is the, the latter of which it's it's definitely been erring towards in, in the last few months. Yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, Kevin Kevin Hatchard, when he did his uh, EPL Bundesliga comparison column heading into the restart for you know all the fans who are going to be watching the Bundesliga, his comparison, which I found uh, uh, worryingly apt, was was uh, West Ham for Hertha. I, I hope maybe he's coming up with maybe a new idea uh, now that they're trying to win again. But there are worrying uh, similarities to the, the Olympic Stadium that they can't really fill to the uh, uh, delusions of grandeur, et cetera. Et yeah, and I mean, uh, well, I grew up a West Ham fan, and, uh, and obviously they share a name with Union, uh, so it doesn't, um, you know, both the Irons, so it doesn't doesn't fill me with joy either to make that comparison. But uh, nothing much about West Ham in the last ten years has filled me with joy. So yeah, I mean, at, um let's see, I, Lavadia, I think we'll we'll have it, it seems anyway we'll have a very very good effect until the rest of the season and then it's a case of, of starting over and certainly with the club they are the city they're in the fact that you've got a good derby there now uh, makes them even more attractive than they in theory should have been before and if if Lavadia stays it's a good coach to work under you know they 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 showed in January that that if they do have a a, a big name coach who in theory is is very an attractive prospect for players players will come to the club you know they made some some pretty smart signings back in the winter before completely imploding um and so if they can do that with under a more kind of stable and and sane management uh, again in the summer then you know there's every reason to think that it could be could be all going in the right direction finally but i mean this is hatter we've been here <laughs> so many times before in the past where you know they and everybody else has gone oh actually something's brewing there and uh and it, it crashes and burns, but um, yeah, I mean, I, in the same way as you say, like on your to, to to stay up. I mean, I joking and, and rivalry aside, I I like to see how to do well. I mean, I think you know they're 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 fun to have as a laughing stock and a and a kind of punch bag, but at the same time, I think you know if things do go well, they're they're the sort of club who who could actually be you know more fun and, and entertaining and charismatic than than sort of what they usually are, which is head in hands uh and and off the field and and quite depressing on it so yeah yeah and and that's truthfully been the critique you hear me just sort of twisting the knife a little bit oh yeah yeah. no i that's been the critique that has has actually you know haunted me the most over the last several years even even in the years when you know under pal dardai they you know they succeeded to to a modest degree you know they made it to europe once um it, it was true that they were not always that easy on the eye so that's one thing that i'm i'm hugely encouraged by that uh, not only are they are they winning but they're scoring goals and they have oh my god mateus cunha is just he is like a ray of sunshine for this club <laughs> you know he's a complete <laughs> you know inveterate hothead who can't quite uh keep a lid on things uh, on the pitch but uh he is good for you know a goal and something crazy you know like a that 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 back heel flick uh that didn't quite come off in the first half and and you know that's something that Hertha needs before we leave this topic behind, I think uh, let me just put this uh, one thing to you. Since we talked about um, Union and their six points from uh, the, the the relegation playoff spot, which I think we both agree is is pretty unlikely for them to have participation. And looking on the other end of things, I mean, Hertha are actually only five points out of sixth place. And you know, uh, depending on what happens with the day of people call, I suppose I suppose seventh place. <laughs> 
is in play. I mean, that's three points. Is there any? That's that's fewer points than than the six points toward toward the drop for uh, for Onyo. Is, is there any? Is there any chance that uh, Bruno Ball could just uh, push us straight into glory? Uh, no, I'm not even going to dignify that that question with an answer. <laughs> <laughs> I know we only get to play you guys uh, <laughs> twice a season, so. My word! <laughs> Out of here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> okay, that's probably enough uh, chuckles uh, for for the moment. Let, let's actually talk about the game, which hasn't been played yet, uh, but which is probably going to have a trifle more international interest this week for the Bundesliga. That is, of course, the Klassiker. Both Dortmund and Bayern uh, sort of set themselves up for that game, which is happening uh, Tuesday. That's the the early kickoff where it's a game. They basically what is there four games on Tuesday. Uh, that game stands alone. The other three games are, are happening after that one concludes. That uh, may or may not be for you know television broadcast reasons. Bayern were five two winners over Eintracht. Uh, the briefly. Brief, brief moment of worry uh, when Martin Hinteregger pulled Eintracht back to 3-2, but of course it didn't last. You know, uh, Alfonso Davies, the, you know, increasingly uh, reliable for amazing Maisie runs, uh, ended up scoring on on one of those. And then uh, Hinti himself uh, gave another one to Bayern. It was a 5-2 final. Dortmund didn't really have to lift much of a finger to get the better of Wolfsburg. It was a 2-0 win in Wolfsburg. I wouldn't say that they were necessarily in scintillating form themselves, but they um, they definitely uh, got the job done. What what are your thoughts about the old classicer uh, heading into this one? Are, are you looking forward? I personally, I'm kind of psyched that we only get two days of hype. You know, we just get to enjoy the game instead of a, a week of you know stuff about it. Yeah, oh yeah, totally. I mean, you know, I think we've all been there on the. the the third day of five of you know very kind of forced build up to this fixture and then and then quite often it's a it's a huge anticlimax as as Bayern walk it we both may or may not have once upon a time provided content for certain content providers <laughs> related to <laughs> games of that nature <laughs> right and uh, you know that's fine that's it's, it's a job it's a um you know they they have their 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 job to do and uh, that's okay. But <laughs> naming no names, but yeah, I think a, a two day build up is is good as you say. It allows us to focus on the football and and from a football perspective, I think it is really exciting. I mean, there's you know four points in it, so there's still all to play for really in the title race, uh, particularly for from a Dortmund perspective. Get this win and and suddenly you're looking at a very exciting run in with with the heat on Bayern. Uh, I think. Dortmund, perhaps not in in the most scintillating form that they've they've ever been in the last two years, but they're in pretty good. Nick, I mean, I I didn't haven't seen much wrong with them, and seen quite a lot right with them in the last two games. Is is Sancho back fit now? He, he came on as a sub, right, against Wolfsburg. Mm-hmm, he did. Um, the the shaggier of younger brother of of Jaden Sancho, who <laughs> we'd never seen before uh, this, these past couple of weeks. Did appear to age about. 15 years in the uh, <laughs> in the coronavirus period but yeah i think dortmund will fancy their chances in in some ways and i think you know they've they showed against schalke that that not having a, a full stadium 
isn't necessarily a bad thing for them in a, in a big game. And I, I think this Dortmund side um, under Lucien Favre, uh, there's an argument to say that actually the, the pressure that comes with the full stadium um, is as detrimental as the, the bonus it brings in terms of spurring them on because it's a club with a lot of expectation. And uh, when the going gets tough, they, they can be a bit fragile. So I think in many ways, they'll, yeah, as I say, they'll fancy their chances, particularly as, as you look at that Bayern performance. I mean, when they were good, they were as good as, as Flicks Bayern have, have always been since, since November, which has been very, very good indeed. But that kind of wobble in the middle of the second half was, was quite worrying for Bayern and, and kind of smoothed over by the fact, as you say, that Davis went on this, this mazy run, but also there was a sort of lucky deflection and, and he got it sort of handed to him on a silver platter, that, that fourth goal. Come on, that was, that was fan service for our Canadian listeners. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to take anything away from him. No, I mean, it was a fantastic run up to then and he, and he, and he, and he absolutely, he, he read that situation brilliantly. I mean, not to take anything away from Davis, just to say that it was a you know defensive mistake rather than, than buying as a team kind of, you know, overwhelming Frankfurt it was you know Davis prodding them and, and them kind of spooking basically and him, him pouncing on the chance and uh, that kind of killed the game off but but in, until that moment you know that period after those those two goals from Hintregger were really yeah um Bayern looks looked a little bit a little bit spooked and I think that will give Dortmund some hope and yeah I mean for the for the title race it'll be obviously Fantastic if if it's not a kind of another uh, five nil drubbing as it has been in these kind of fixtures a few times in the last few years. But um, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm I'm really quite excited as well. Not only because um, you know we're seeing two teams who are getting the job done at the moment. I would have to say, if you ask me, Bayern are the team to beat right now, not only because they have a four-point lead at the top of the table, but you mentioned, and I think this is going to become a a really well-used phrase, you talk about Flicks Bayern. I think Flicks Bayern is going to turn out to be a really, really good Bayern, a a version of Bayern that uh, people talk about for a long time to come because he's sort of figured out how to harness the best of all their huge number of great players and figured out which ones don't quite fit into the mix and, and, you know, leave it at that. But I think that um, we're also going to get some interesting matchups in this game. I mean, you know, we talk about uh, uh, Alfonso Davies playing really well at the moment. And he's of course, an extremely uh, attack minded um, fullback wingback type. We're also getting Guerrero, Rafael Guerrero, who sort of is his counterpart. I mean, I know they're not the same type of player. They play in a different way, but we're going to get another guy who, at least this week, played in a 3-5-2 as a sort of up-and-down winger and also looked extremely dangerous, got a goal. I can imagine this being a classic classicer, really. Definitely. And then, you know, I mean, not to mention uh, everyone's favorite Norwegian um, at the moment. Yeah, got to talk about to go you know this is the sort of game that i mean I, he appears to me to be a player who, who has a very clear career plan and, and knows how to use a big stage when when one comes his way and so i think he'll be uh yeah he'll have a have a a vision of of what he wants to do on on tuesday and yeah if he delivers on it then then it could be fireworks i mean going back to flex Bayern, i i <laughs> it's a bit flogging a dead horse but um I do want to give an honourable mention to Nico Kovac, you know, while we're kind of praising Flexby into the heavens, because while clearly that that experiment had run its course when when he was sacked, and and clearly Hansi Flick has has managed 
certain fundamental issues as as Brian Coach much better than than Kovac was ever going to be able to. I think Flick, to a great extent, Kovac's debt because I think what Kovac did, and I've said it before, and I'll, I'll say it again, what Kovac did brilliantly was was give those young players that were coming up a chance and that was what Bayern coaches previous to him had not really done in the in the previous few years it needed to be done unfortunately he couldn't then keep the older players on side Flick was able to do that but he but he already had a basis where younger players had been given game time and and uh, had learned to, to expect to, to be picked and and there was a, a slightly healthier balance between the, the younger generation and, and the older generation there that was to a large extent Kovac is doing and I think we're seeing that completely with Flick's Bayern you know, on the one hand, Miller and, and Neuer are back to, and Boateng are back to their, you know, some of their best form. And on the other hand, you've got players like Kimmich and Davis, uh, particularly, who are, you know, also just just better than they've ever been. And I think, yeah, it's all it's funny with Bayern because even when nothing was coming together, they still won everything. But um, it really is everything that's sort of been been rumbling around in that in that club and that dressing room for the last sort of two three years is really coming together under Flick. And I agree that they're they're formidable. Yep. All right. Well, I guess we just have to wait until uh, Tuesday evening see what happens in that one. Let's talk a little bit about the movement at the top of the table. Really pretty small, pretty slight movement, just just a trading of places between uh, Leverkusen and Gladbach. But, you know, interesting in the respect that that was uh, a head-to-head matchup, which caused it. Um, you know, Bayer, Leverkusen, you know, they had sort of quietly been putting together a very, very good run prior to the break and, and then coming out of it. Gladbach, uh, of course, you know, got that win last week, but we're not uh, uh, sort of in the same form as as Leverkusen going into the break. I was not terribly surprised to see the 3-1 win in Gladbach. I was maybe a little surprised by the margin. What's your feeling about where Leverkusen and Gladbach are going to end up at the end of this season? Do you think that Leverkusen has, have, have taken over fourth to stay, or is this um, going to be a dogfight you know, going down to the end of the season. It's it's interesting in that, you know, we have this top five of which Bayern is out in front by, you know, four points over their, their closest rival. But, you know, the gap between fifth and sixth is just massive. It's, you know, 13 points. This is clearly a five-team elite class in this division. And, you know... <laughs> There's only four teams that make the Champions League, so uh, someone's going to be disappointed. Maybe it'll be Leipzig or even Dortmund. Yeah, and I think Dortmund, given their current form and, and given Erling Haaland, uh, <laughs> um, you'd, you'd expect them to, to finish in the top four. But those those three below, I, I kind of almost put Leipzig in the same sort of bracket as Leverkusen and Gladbach, and they're a team who at their best are, are really, really very good and can beat pretty much anybody and, and can play some absolutely fantastic football but are still kind of slightly raw and, and always have a, a a bad run or a bad weekend in them which you know is the reason why they're sort of slightly cut adrift in, in the title race but folding this I mean yeah there'll be a dogfight for, for, for the top four for sure and I think to be honest you could put those three names in a in a bag and you know shuffle it up and then pick one out and that's as, as good a way as any as as picking who you think is, is going to come out of that because they've all got it in them. But uh, I'm just looking at Bayern's run-in um, and they've got to play Leverkusen and Gladbach, which, mm-hmm. you know, that's fun because uh, both with the incentive of the top four could grab a win uh, against against Bayern and suddenly then, you know, particularly if Dortmund get a result on Tuesday, uh, 
the title race itself is is, is wide open, and and the team that does grab a win against Bayern are potentially on the fringes of it again. So, yeah, it's a it's a sort of semi elite group of three in in within that elite group of five, and I think yeah, it's a dogfight for for fourth. But also they they won't have written themselves off just yet clubs like Leverkusen and Gladbach because they'll be looking at that Bayern game and thinking you know if we're in form and we we nick a result then why not you know why not a late title push unlikely title push um there's been a ton to talk in the last few weeks especially as uh, the rest of the world has turned their eyes to the Bundesliga um just about how wonderful Kai Havertz is, which, yes, he is wonderful. He is, uh, you know, one of the elite young players in world football and certainly one of the best in the Bundesliga. He made some comments about having uh, enjoyed the time that he has spent uh, basically playing as a striker at the moment. He said that he's made it more, um, you know, uh, dangerous in front of goal. He got a goal from open play as well as a penalty in, in this game. Anything that you want to add to the hosannas of praise for Kai Havertz because it's uh, it's 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 nice to do sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I I spent the last few days getting texts from from the UK where everybody is obviously suddenly watching the Bundesliga going, oh, which who's going to sign Havertz then? Uh, and to which <laughs> my answer is, your guess is as good as mine, guys. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, he certainly looks like he's itching to 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 make this the next step up, and and rightly so. I mean, he's, he's a superb player who I think has only really benefited from from both at Leverkusen and in the and the national team uh, being kind of given that that extra bit of responsibility in the last few years and and told to kind of go out and shine and and yeah, be a, a leading player and and a yeah leading light. He stepped up to that and and. It's going to be one of those endless kind of stories where he's linked to, you know, everyone from Barcelona to Arsenal, and uh, we're all going to be happy when when he finally does move to Bayern in the summer of 2022. Then he can be plagued by, you know, uh, uh, rumors to Real Madrid or <laughs> or Barca, which is really the only place he want to go after Bayern. Any thoughts about RB Leipzig and their absolute destruction of Mainz? This was, man, this was a game that you know I. I just it seemed like they they got themselves going early and that they were ready to just score and score and score and of course they didn't get the eight goals that they did in the first half of the season but they did get five and three of them were from uh, Timo Werner who needed some goals I found their dip in form ahead of this game I think they had drawn three straight or something uh, something along those lines I found their dip pretty puzzling I was uh, gonna start maybe even feeling bad for Leipzig, which is, you know, a strange place to be. Uh, if if they had dropped out of the top four, considering the season they've had, how much do you trust them now uh, to, to to get the job done and, and be in the Champions League again next season, which is really a, a must for them? Yeah, I mean, as I say, I, I do think, you know, they're on a par with, with Leverkusen and Gladbach in, in theory. I think probably if there's one team who you see dropping off more based on form and based on, you know, Everything is is probably more glad back than than Leipzig and Leverkusen is sort of the most unpredictable of the bunch, perhaps. But yeah, I mean, I think it was good for them to 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 bounce back from that that disappointing result against Freiburg, which was you know not the 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 ideal restart. Mainz clearly, based on the two results this year, are, are a team who they like playing against and <laughs> who who suit them, shall we say. Thirteen goals in two games is is pretty emphatic. And again, I mean, you know, and just looking at the run in again, you've got a big game against Dortmund on on the penultimate day of the season. But otherwise, I think they'll be they'll be looking at that 
that run in and thinking, yeah, we back ourselves to win most of those games. We got a lot of games against against relegation candidates uh, or mid-table teams, and so yeah, I think uh, I think they they probably will make the top four. I, I I kind of expected a little bit more for them, and then perhaps it will still come. As I say, that the title race isn't isn't entirely over, but I think it's I think they they didn't quite reach their their highest heights this season because of a couple of dips in form. And I think you know next year we should expect more from them. and should expect them to be to be deeper in the title. Yeah, I it's interesting. Uh, as much as you know, people have been pretty upset about um, the introduction of, of RB Leipzig to the Bundesliga and, and the introduction of them as a as a big financial and sporting force. I think in a weird sort of way, like having a team that is actually ready to step up and, and uh, you know, add to the list, the very short list, which prior to, to, to their uh, introduction to the Bundesliga had been basically one team, which is to say Dortmund, of teams that, that actually have the ambition of making the Champions League every single year and, you know, taking every chance they can to, to punch Bayern in the mouth. I'm just finding it fun that now we actually have five really, really good teams in the Bundesliga. And I, in some ways, feel like if Leipzig hadn't, you know, sort of elbowed their way into this division with all their money, I'm not sure uh, if, if that outcome would have happened uh, in, in the same way. I don't know. Yeah, I think they they probably dragged the other two up to to a certain extent, um, just by being a good example. And I mean, you know, I, you know, I'm I'm broadly against the the way the the club has has been founded and and the kind of what what is disparagingly called the construct of a Leipzig. Uh, I don't really think it's the healthiest for the for the league or or in general as a as a football model, but. They're, they're a great team. I mean, <laughs> they're really yeah. watch. <laughs> they're really fun they're to watch. <laughs> really, really likable players. And you know, if, if it wasn't for those two bills on the badge and the questionable membership structure, um, which you know, people, a lot of people will howl and say, "How can you say if it wasn't for those?" That's the whole point. But if it wasn't for them, then they'd be a, a thoroughly, thoroughly likable football club and, and, a, and a huge breath of fresh air. And I think you know. Yes, there's on the one hand the foul stench, but there is, you know, the massive kind of refreshing nature to them as well. And and one doesn't necessarily cancel the other out, so to speak. For sure. For sure. All right. Let's uh, pause for just a second uh, uh, and leaving this, you know, questionably likable team behind. And we'll come back and talk about a team that uh, really a lot of people do seem to like and for good reason. All right, here comes part two of Talking Foosball. This is the part where we talk about the rest of the match day just gone. It was match day 27. This one had a wild finish. It was 2-0 Fortuna Düsseldorf in Cologne going into, what, the 88th minute? And somehow, someway, the Billy Goats, which is, you know, let's face it, a team that I think a lot of people have a soft spot for just because they are a, a bit mad, found two goals. Got a, a late, you know, Anschlusstreffer, as they call it in German, you know, the, the goal that gets them back into the game, and then an equalizer in injury time to rescue a point, rescue a little bit of respect in this this derby. Kind of a weird derby, because it's not as much a derby between the two clubs as it is between the two cities. Like, the cities genuinely hate each other, the clubs, eh, kind of. How surprised are you to see Cologne, you know, both... <laughs> 
you know, I, I guess you have to be surprised to see them get a, a draw in this game, considering how things had gone and the fact that they had also, you know, missed a penalty or had a penalty saved earlier in the game. Looked like they were going to really blow this one. But Cologne have become a really resilient side, a really uh, a side that you expect to either get a result or at least make it pretty hard for their opponents week to week. And that's not always been the Cologne brand. No, and I mean, I, I think to a certain extent, it's a not too dissimilar situation to Atta in that, you know, it's a club that, that, that can very easily slip into sort of farcical crisis mode, but was crying out for for some good management and had a, a pretty strong squad when you look at it. It's only quite a lot of Bunzig experience in the squad. And yeah, there's, you know, it, it's a good team. And Gisdol has, has, has come in sort of, guided them quite calmly uh, away from what was a, a pretty certain relegation fight. And uh, yeah, the hats off to them. And I think that, that, you know, that resilience, as you say, you, you, watching that game, you didn't, you didn't necessarily think, I mean, it's, I don't think it's the first time Dusseldorf have, have conceded late equalizer under Uwe either. And, and obviously, you know, they're not the kind of, the most sort of they're not, not a team you'd expect to just kind of brutally kill off a game necessarily but um scrapping as they are themselves but they do they do have maybe the nicest jerseys in the league the ones they wore today that have the sort of oh, the yeah. the tilted you know red and white stripes on the black shirt yeah, beautiful that's, that's, yeah. oh my that's god very, although shout out as well for for both frankfurt kits this year which every time i see them they're just both of them even the like minimalist away kit is just sleek as hell like I have no particular affection for Eintracht Frankfurt but there are many times when I've been watching Frankfurt games and thought mm, I might get those kits that I know get. I know <laughs> but and also like the the reintroduction of, of red and yeah it's nice anyway I digress I think yeah you, you had the feeling that, that Cologne could if they if they you know had a sniff of this then they could get back into it and, and lo and behold it happened and a moment of real quality I mean that that First the cross and then the header from Brunest for that that first goal was was a really really fine goal. Um, kind of got lost in the in the drama of it all. But and then of course the second goal. I mean I'll tell you the reason that it happened is because um, Gisdol made a and in the game ultimately meaningless, but but for the surely the morale of the Cologne players essential substitution just before the equaliser, which was that he brought on uh, Zimon Terodde for. Tony Leisner, and he was clearly uh, sending a message to the players that they had to do this for Union. Uh, <laughs> a substitution between two former Union players and uh, a goal that needed to be scored to keep Union safely six points away from the drop. And the Cologne players got that message and, and uh, bundled in that equaliser. So props to Gisdol and, and props to the Billy Goats for uh, saving our skins there. I think I, think I just heard a, a vocal salute. Uh, made by you to to Cologne, another team that I think a, a lot of folks have a bit of a soft spot for, although it's uh, beginning to fade as they maybe complete more years uh, as a hapless team. Uh, but I digress. All right, another uh, another team. Some people definitely have a soft spot for because of their illustrious past and their uh, you know attacking tradition, although attacking has not really been their forte this season, uh, is uh, SV Werder Bremen. They were 1-0 winners down in Freiburg this weekend. A bit of a nail-biter for them, considering they got their one goal in the first half, I think maybe in the first 20 minutes or so, and just sort of uh, hung on for this one. It looked like maybe they were going to give up a late equalizer themselves, but um, uh, Niels Peterson, who, uh, you know, I, I guess sort of got the assist. It was his uh, shot that came off the post that was then eventually, you know, turned into the goal for uh, an ostensible equalizer uh, was was 
offside in the buildup, so it was uh, a win for, for Verde as opposed to a draw. Very interesting result, though, considering uh, this is a team that has looked absolutely dead and buried, but now they do find themselves, what, with two points or something like that, separating them from... from uh, uh, Dusseldorf three above points them. in game in hand. Yeah, three points. A oh, game in hand against Dusseldorf, I believe. So, have they scheduled that one yet? I'm the, not the game sure. In hand? To be honest, um, let's have a look at their their Tamina. Yeah, it's going to be uh, on the third of June. Uh, so I guess that's that's uh, that's they have their own you know personal English of Volga <laughs> you know, in, in that week. But yeah, they're home to Frankfurt, in that which is a, a big game. I mean, that's you know that's a relegation six pointer and. Yeah, I, I I was so happy for for Bremen, um, but seeing Eliza, I was I was absolutely gutted when when that uh, sort of freakish equalizer that turned out not to be an equalizer went in because uh, they are, albeit not they're not at their attacking best this year, they are still a, a very very likable club and they're actually quite a likable team. I mean, Florian Kohlfeldt, I think, is is a much better coach than than you'd think. Uh, looking at the the results this year and, and some of the form over the last few years. And I think uh, that's partly why he's still in the job. I think there will be a lot of people who be very, very happy to see them come up. And they needed a result like that. They needed a, uh, not pretty, but but just scrapped out absolute dirty 1-0, three points to sort of announce themselves back in the in the relegation fight. And I think it's it's the sort of game, I, I say, with cautious optimism as a Bremen uh, sympathiser that could kind of, yeah... As I say, bouncing back into the fight, particularly as you know, again, you look at that three points game in hand. Suddenly, that it just looks so much better than it looked two weeks ago when it was what was it, five points, and and you know, you, they still haven't even got to twenty points yet after twenty-five games or something. And uh, you know, it's it's looking like it's going in one direction. And I think psychologically, it's it's huge. And I think they've yeah. There's real hope now for Bremen, and that's a that's a good thing. Yeah, they have a bit of a tricky run in, but uh, you know we'll, we'll let that unfold as it unfolds. I was going to say I haven't looked at the run in. Yeah, <laughs> they got Gladbach uh, on on Tuesday, followed by a, a winnable game certainly against Schalke. We'll talk about Schalke in just a moment, uh, but then they have Frankfurt, Wolfsburg, Paderborn, Bayern, Mites, and Cologne. So, eh. but in some ways, I mean, you know, you look at those uh, Frankfurt, Paderborn, Mites. You've got three games which are chances to to make waves in the relegation fight and that's kind of what you want i mean the buying game you could definitely leave but when you when you're in that situation you want games against your direct rivals so that you can you know get as much as you possibly can from any wins you get and so yeah and in looking at it now with all three games still to come i think i think that fans have have cause for for faint optimism Yep. Yeah. I don't think anybody much wants to see them drop down uh, other than their friends in Hamburg who are already down. Yeah. I, I mentioned uh, Schakla a moment ago being one of those teams that uh, Bremen will be seeking to look uh, to pick up points uh, against. That's in, I guess, two match days time. <laughs> who knows whether Schalke will have sorted themselves out by then. You know, we talked about them with, you know, Schalke fan uh, Marie Schulterbachum uh, last week. So we probably don't need to talk a ton about Schalke this week, but they really took one on the chin again. This one was at home uh, to FC Augsburg, a team who don't really deal out drubbings like this on, on a regular basis. Uh, surely at this point, this has got to be a real Schalke Krise, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny because, you know, you really felt after that that first half of the season that David Wagner might have been onto something. Um, he might have been the kind of 
guy they needed to just just bring a bit of stability back into the the very very chaotic camp they have there. Um, and he'd given them a bit of you know they weren't pretty to watch at any point this season, but he'd given them a bit of uh, a bit of fight and a bit of grit and and you know the table kind of looked good for them. Uh, you know they were sniffing around the Europa League when they still are. They're still two points short of six, but I mean it's just been the the same Schalke since since Christmas really. I mean they've just they've just been that kind of very very disappointing, <laughs> underachieving, going nowhere kind of kind of team. And it's a real shame because you know as as in so many periods in the past, it it looks like there's quite a lot there to to bring together, but it just doesn't seem to work somehow. Yep, yep. I won't. I guess add much anything to that. As I said, we, we went pretty heavy on Chalka last week, so I think we'll leave it at that. We'll we'll leave them to you know stew in their own juices for a while, and maybe in a few weeks when they've either uh, gotten deeper into trouble or gotten themselves out of it, we can can revisit them. One last game from this match day, which I didn't watch, you didn't watch, who watched it? It was uh, Paderborn versus uh, Hoffenheim. I did see the highlights. It was a one one draw. This you know. Clearly, that's it's it's a nice thing for Batterborn to get themselves a point when they're in last place, and you know they theoretically have something to fight for. There are only only six points separating them from sixteenth place, but Hoffenheim really appear to be a team that have kind of checked out on the season. Well, I mean, you said that Hatter are going for the Europa League, so I don't see why Hoffenheim should. Well, I, I don't see why they shouldn't, but they don't they don't have that fire right now. They don't have that same Bruno fire. <laughs> New Labadon. <laughs> All right, all right, all right. That 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 uh, you know heavy chuckle you just heard uh, means it's time to move on. Let's just maybe glance at uh, match day twenty eight coming up uh, since it's coming so hard upon us. We of course are going to be watching uh, the the classic classic classicer. That's the early game on on Tuesday. Anything on the other uh, Tuesday games that catches the eye to you? I mean, I'm still pretty interested in seeing how uh, how Werder can can uh, maybe keep their good run going. They are at home to Borussia Mönchengladbach, a team who also are going to be pretty pretty thirsty. So, I don't know. Should be theoretically a lot to play for for both of those sides. Yeah, and I think um, generally in the relegation fight it will be an interesting match day. Union Mainz we've already talked about. I think that's a huge game for, for both sides. For sure. E- equally, Augsburg-Paderborn, although they're at kind of opposite ends of the relegation fight, so to speak, they are just about both still in it and uh you know a, a result for for Augsburg similarly to to Union would would kind of push them even further away and make them think they were they were pretty much safe and for Paderborn it's kind of everything from now on is is last chance saloon particularly when you're you're playing against someone else who's in the mix there so yeah you've got two two kind of six pointers on Wednesday and then yeah I mean Dusseldorf after that that kind of disappointment today will uh will perhaps fancy their chances against a, a pretty demoralized Schalke side so I think we could be in for some 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 interesting games I'm looking forward as well to Leipzig putting eight past Hatter uh on the early game on Wednesday that'll that'll bring some joy to my heart so I'll just yeah. I'm just, a Red Bull you know as we say it on yawn all the time I'm just gonna let that one go <laughs> after our our 4-1 aggregate you know two-legged match Victory in the the Stadtmeisterschaft. I'm just going to let that one go. 
Is that 4-1 in goals or amount of rockets fired onto the... I know we didn't fire any rockets onto the pitch. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it might have been more than four. <laughs> or maybe that was just in the, toward the family section at uh, the Alta Foster. <laughs> that is all for this edition of Talking Foosball, which was produced, as always, by Aiden Rantoul. Really good to have you back on the podcast, Kit. And, and you know, I, I will admit that maybe next time it will be better circumstances uh, for our, our interpersonal uh, relationship. Yeah, perhaps. I think, uh, you know, tonight's really put a strain on it. So, uh, yeah, you and Onion might have to work work quite hard to, to get me back on. But uh, it's been a pleasure as always. <laughs> I, I'm willing to work. I'm willing to make this work. You can follow Kit on Twitter, at Kit Holden. Very easy there. You can read his work on uh, the Mail Online and, and some other places if you speak German. If you want to contact me, I am at Mr. Matt Herman on Twitter. Although, you know what? I'm actually locked out of my account right now. It's really weird. Uh, so any pressure that any of you want to put on Twitter to uh, get me back into the saddle there, it's really weird. Uh, support at twitter.com not a really great responsive group uh, please do subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your pods uh, and you know tell a German football loving friend about us let's face it who doesn't love German football at the moment it's one of the only footballs there are this is some nice and